As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. This is going to be a tough one, folks. We started doing this show under three, just under three years ago. Marissa, a new hire at The Athletic. I was a baseball producer just trying to help out with the NFL coverage. And Connor Hughes, The Athletic Jets reporter, building that loyal audience. It's been an awesome ride. But tonight, our final episode together before Connor heads off to new opportunities. Thanks for joining us on the Can't Wait podcast. We are going to take a trip down memory lane towards the end of the show, but we're going to have some Jets content too. Um, training camp six days away. We got to get you ready for training camp in this last one. Uh, but before we jump into the Jets stuff, Connor, you wore glasses for the occasion. I'm impressed. How, how are you feeling about yeah. this final ride? I already, I already have a tear in my eye. That's kind of the weird thing. I was like, oh, I'm fine. And then you started the intro. I was like, oh my God, this sucks. I'm going to be a complete disaster by the end of it. But no, I mean, this is like, this is awesome. Like this is, uh, oh yeah, we'll talk about that later. But what's kind of cracking me up is that you know, the one complaint I think we always got on this show and whether it was the comment section and all that stuff on YouTube was that we never started football early. And of course, on my very last show, we're like, yes, yeah, so we're going to save all the sentimental stuff to the end. We're just going to go right into ball. <laughs> but yeah, I've worn glasses my entire life. I'm getting LASIK on uh, on Monday. So unfortunately, I'm in that little window here where there's a uh, a two week gap where I have to wear glasses. So I'm wearing the my 10 year old glasses that are several prescriptions ago, still kind of blurry. Thick as all head, all hell, because I just kind of got the ones that were were covered by insurance, and I didn't get the thin lenses. But they do transition in the sunlight, which I found is is quite interesting. But yeah, I'm I'm in glasses for the last one, not not because I like them. I absolutely hate myself in glasses. I haven't worn them regularly or consistently since I was in elementary or middle school. I got I got contacts before I even went to high school. Um, so yeah, the the glasses are just because I'm getting LASIK soon. So if anyone has any uh, tips, pointers, or advice, if you have gotten LASIK. Definitely hit my DMs or definitely just tweet me because I, I do not do well with needles. So I'm not sure how I'm going to do with lasers. Laser beams into my eyes is freaking me out. But I am looking forward to opening my eyes and seeing clearly, which is going to be pretty awesome. But yeah, that's why the glasses are on. One more thing before we get to the Jets. And that is Marissa. We didn't start on time tonight. No, um, shocker. I mean, honestly, like, would you expect anything different? Yeah. We haven't really we've maybe started like five shows on time over the course of three years. So 
Why would the yeah, and they were never when the three of us were together. Right. <laughs> that yeah. was the best part. It was when it was just so, me and Marissa or, or Tim and I or anything like that. It was never when the group of us were together, which is, I think, kind of the, the most wild, ridiculous part of it all. Well, but I'll say that it's, it's, we it's talk a testament to our, our friendship. Though. Yes, yeah. we talk oh, yeah, too we much bullshit. before the yeah. show starts. Yes. Yeah, people yes. think about like that's, you know, people complain about us not starting on time. Like if we actually started on time, we would have about 40 minutes of, of just BS talking. Of, if you guys actually turned on the mics and cameras when we first log on. But even like I kind of figured we were going to start five minutes late because we, we had to. But uh, Bree just got home from work. So we're getting ready. To, we're going to have dinner actually after the show. But she was like, oh, do you want to try to eat before? And I was like, it's 825. I was like, that's that's cutting it even close for me. And I was like, I think I should get in here. I'll eat, I'll eat should, after the Should show. I give a spoiler, Connor, to what you wanted to do today? Connor texted um, my husband Michael oh, yeah. Yeah, about, that's the, that, yeah. about going golfing today at 530. <laughs> And I responded, yeah, and we, we have the final episode Wednesday night. How is he going golfing at 530? And Connor yeah. said, oh, crap. I forgot. <laughs> totally. So forgot. Totally forgot. It's just, my buddy, one of my good friends, Joe Lacalandre, is a, 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 the, my a source of, he's a diehard Jets fan. We went to college together. And he's the one who I go to whenever I need to know Jets history or Jets factoids or anything like that. Always go to him. So he just recently had a baby. So his... um his golfing time has been cut down pretty substantially lately. So he finally was free to play on Wednesday. So he goes, Hey, like, let, let's get out on Wednesday. Let's go play. I was like, you know, we'll get a, a five o'clock tea time and, and, you know, that'll probably run us till eight, get, you know, nine holes and then we'll go get dinner or drinks after. I was like, sweet. That's awesome. And now the, the floodgates have been dropped on Michael Dunn and I playing golf together. So that's totally over now. I know I said, we're just going to put Marissa and, and Bree together and they, they can complain about Michael and I golfing while we are golfing. But so I shot him a text. I was like, dude, you want to come play with Joe and I? It'll be a blast. He's like, I think you have something to do on Wednesday. And then it all was like, uh oh, <laughs> so yeah, Joe and I are going to be playing on Sunday. Not on, not on, uh, not, uh, not today. All right, let's move on to the Jets and training camp. I mentioned it's six days away. Everybody out there, you know that. You know the season is coming. Training camp is coming. Training camp number two for this coaching staff and Robert Sala and turning, trying to turn this thing around. So let's start there, Connor. Uh, year one is all about getting things in place. You have a rookie quarterback. You have a bunch of new players. You have a new coaching staff. You have to get it all figured out. Year two, all of that should be taken care of. So... What's the difference for for everybody, I guess, for the staff, for the team? Like, how much can they just hit the ground running next week as yeah. opposed to a year ago? Honestly, man, I, I think with the exception of 2016, every year that I've covered the Jets, 2014, 2015, even to some extent, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Uh, well, not 22, 21. All of it has been so next year oriented. You know what I mean? It, it's always been next year is going to be the year you know this is developmental this is when we want to see this guy take a step that guy take a step you know it, it was never again aside from that 2016 season never were playoffs the goal you know what i mean so every year in training camp it was like oh we just want to see the jets get a little bit better or oh we want to see maybe this player who's the young quarterback is the answer at quarterback and we want to see this guy get going and that guy get going and how this coaching staff's going to look and how this new coaching staff's going to look and, and and all this stuff. And I think what we finally reached the point of is like enough of next year. Uh, and that's, that's what I want to see this training camp when, when they report next week is, is it no more next year, you know, no, no more, pushing it forward. No more kicking the can down the road. I mean, I, I don't think that the Jets this year should have realistic expectations of a Super Bowl 
but they should legitimately be a significantly better team in 2022 than they were in 21, 2019, 18, 17, 16. Like, like they should be a team that every single week, week one through 17, has a chance to win every single game. Maybe one, you have a bad game, you get blown out, it's just a bad one. You know, every, everyone has those. But every single game, the third quarter, fourth quarter should be happening where we can sit down and, and shoot a text message on our can't wait chat and say like, you know what? If this happens and this happens, the Jets are right back in it. No more losing 40 to three or, or 28 to nothing or having games like the Colts game where you just need some miraculous comeback in the end. And you're like, oh my God, wait, maybe Josh Johnson can do this. None, no more of that. Like, like this should be the year where the Jets turn that corner and they don't turn it like the Bengals did and go to a Super Bowl. They don't turn it like some of these other teams have where they make runs to the playoffs. I still think the Jets are a year away from that, but this should be the training camp where we start saying, you know what? Zach Wilson looks like he's going to really reach a step above. We're not franchise quarterback, but he's now the guy where you say, you know what? He's got franchise quarterback qualities. The offense should be one where you say, you know what? They really have the legitimate firepower, both with the running back duo of Hall and Carter and the receivers of Wilson and Moore and Davis that you actually have the make and the, the tight ends now with, with Conklin and Uzama. You now have weapons on offense to put up a lot of points and on defense you've got a ferocious pass rush that can attack the quarterback and a secondary that can lock down the receivers long enough to let that pass rush get home we should start to see the makings of a really really good team and a team that we can then go into next offseason and say you know what they are just a couple more pieces away a few of their guys developing and taking the next step and one or two pieces away and you know have a playoff contender and a potential Super Bowl contender if they get hot. And this training camp, I think that's what it's about. It's about starting to turn that corner. It's about having the young guys take the next steps. It's about having Zach Wilson take the next step. It's about really just having this team collectively come together and look like a team that we are ready to we are ready to say they can be a playoff team. Or maybe we can say at the end of training camp, you know what? If things break their way and they're able to win four games, not three games in that first 10-game stretch, maybe they can get hot down the stretch and maybe sneak into the playoffs. That's what we want to start seeing because I'm so tired of talking about this team in a next-year sense. I'm so tired about just focusing on the future and focusing on the future and focusing on the future. And yeah, I know we're still focusing a little bit on it because they're not that contender yet, but you want to see the makings of a team that is turning that corner. You know, I feel like every year I've written like, oh, this is the year the Jets are going to turn start to turn the corner, right? I feel like I've written that, that line over and over and over and over and over again over the last five years of this is the year the Jets are going to start to turn the corner. We want to see them start to turn that corner, you know? No more. Like, like turn the damn corner. Turn it and get going. And even if you don't reach it there this year, position yourself where we're going into December saying, you know what? If this happens, this happens. There's a mathematical chance for the Jets to get in. That's what I want to see. And you can see the makings, the early makings of that in training camp. And, and that's what I want to see. I want to see a young team that's competing, a young team that's good, not a young team that loses 31 nothing in a scrimmage to their backups. I don't want to see that anymore. I want to see Zach Wilson take the next step, Robert Sala take the next step, a more amplified and, and intense offense and creative offense from Mike LaFleur and the defense with Jeff Ulbrich with all his new pieces to be given that offense headache someday only for the offense to come back and get the best of them the next day. You know, I want to see that. I want to see a team that I step away from. And even if I don't, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll see some other practices as well this year, but like, I want to come away from the practices where I'm at the Jets facility and turn around and say, you know what? There might be something here in Florham Park. And I haven't been able to say that over the last five years. You know, even they say, maybe, maybe, maybe. I want to be able to say, you know what? I think there's something there. And then hopefully they take off and, and run with it.
this is kind of a spoiler for later in the show, but if you go back to our very first episode of this podcast, we discuss can't wait and the name and all that. And you actually yeah. say it's a great name for right now for the jets because jets fans have been waiting so long. And now with Sam Darnold and, and Adam Gates oh, and where God. this team is set up, Do you remember they, our original they seem like they're ready after like a month. <laughs> they're ready to turn things around. Uh, like three weeks later, there was oh. mono and then the rest is, you know, it's That's what happens with the jets, but, but hopefully, hopefully this time around is different. All right. Um, we basically have some like quick topics from training camp to go through. So first one I have on the list, uh, key position battles, uh, to me, tight ends going to be a lot of fun because everyone's new and it'll just be all those guys out there. But what stands out to you as far as tight end battles? Well, there's the obvious one, um, which is tackle. You know, I, I think that's probably when, when you look at the starting positions that are open. I know, like Sala said that, that you know, cornerback is a is a positional battle where uh, Sauce Gardner has to take the job from Bryce Hall. Like, dude, that's going to happen organically. Like, like Sauce Gardner is so ridiculously more talented with all due respect to Hall. He's so ridiculously more talented that eventually it's just going to get to a point where there's nothing that Hall can do to keep Gardner off the field, my, barring injury, like knock wood. Like barring injury, there's nothing he can do to keep him off the field. Eventually that guy's just going to force his way into the lineup and it's going to be DJ Reed on one side, Gardner on the other side, and and then obviously Carter in the slot. I know safety position, a lot of people are really in on Pinnock and, and the Jets are too. They love the kid, but I think Pinnock is more 2023 starter than 2022. I think the Jets want to roll with those two veterans in Whitehead and Joyner. And Pinnock will be involved, and I think he might see some looks in that third safety package, but they want to give him another full year to learn a position that he's never played before, to really learn the position, transition into that position. Then in 2023, I think you're going to have Whitehead and Pinnock as, as, uh, as your two starters there. But the main starting job that, that's up for grabs, that, that, that main position that's there, because uh, with, with tight end, the Jets are going to use everyone. They're going to use Conklin, they're going to use Uzama, they're going to use Ruckert. I mean, that, they're going to use them all. Same with like Carter and Hall. Like So you're going to be... I think it's more going to be a, a not a positional battle for those two positions. I think it's going to be more just fascinating to see how the Jets deploy those positions, which we'll see a little bit in training camp, some in the preseason, and especially in the regular season. I think that'll be fascinating to watch. But the main starting job that's open is that tackle job, you know, with, with Fant and Becton and, and those two guys. And I think seeing a day one, if neither of those guys land on the pup list, Who's the left tackle? Who's the right tackle? And then if it is fan at left tackle, which we all expect after what Robert Sala said at the senior bowl, how long is he able to keep Becton out? And then also are those two guys able to stay healthy? And then is this offensive line collectively able to take every single training camp rep together, every single preseason first team rep together, and then get ready to go into the regular season? So that's obviously a big one for me uh, for, for a starting job. The other ones that I'm keeping an eye on, honestly, man, they're, they're, um, they're backup jobs where – the one that a lot of people are going to be watching is for wide receiver five, wide receiver six, which is where you're going to have Jeff Smith and Denzel Mims battling it out. And the one thing that I keep going back to is, is I do find it hard to foresee a situation where Denzel Mims is on this team week one. And, and I don't mean that in terms of a shot at Denzel Mims. I don't mean that in terms of a, a, a criticism of Denzel Mims. I just mean that in terms of the sense that the four spots of wide receiver are locked. You know what I mean? Like you've got Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore. Those are your top three guys. Braxton Berrios is then your backup slot who's also going to be seeing time. So Denzel Mims, your former second round pick, is competing for that number five receiver spot with Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith was the one who worked ahead of Denzel Mims in OTAs and minicamp. If Denzel Mims were to beat out Jeff Smith for that number five receiver job, at most, 
he's going to be seeing five snaps, five offensive snaps a game in the regular season. Like you're not, because if Denzel Mims comes on, it means you got to take one of those guys off. And I don't think you want to take Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis off the field, barring injury. So for Denzel Mims to go on, one of those guys is going to come off. So you're going to have maybe select packages where you can let him use his 50-50 skills and put him deep, but they're really just five a game. If you're Denzel Mims and you're Denzel Mims representation, you don't want him to be on a field on a team where his ceiling is five offensive snaps a game and a lot of special teams. You don't want that. You want the former second round pick to be competing for 20, 25, 30 offensive snaps a game and be in a position where he can compete for a starting job. So I think ultimately the best case scenario is Denzel Mims has a pretty good training camp, has a pretty good preseason, and some team offers the Jets a fourth or fifth round pick or a conditional fifth round pick for his services, and then you trade him away. And then Jeff Smith, who is a better special teamer than Denzel Mims, gets that number five job because then he can fill in at slot, he can fill in outside, and he can fill in or he can play a lot of special teams. You know, that's ultimately what I'm going to be curious to watch how that plays out. And then the other positional battle that I'm fascinated to see is, is on the defensive line. You know, the I, I still believe that the Jets are a dominant, dominant edge rusher away from truly recreating Robert Sala's defensive lines on the East Coast from where he was at the West Coast. Like, I, I genuinely think they're, they're probably one of, and maybe that's Carl Lawson, maybe it's Jermaine Johnson, maybe it's Michael Clemens. You know, we'll see how those guys develop. But I still think they're that player away. But when you look at the guys on that defensive line and in that defensive end meeting room, the Jets are running like 10 deep. And, and they're they're 10 deep of like, they're not all the same skill set, but you've got 10 legitimate NFL players in that room, 10 legitimate guys who can at the worst situationally rush the passer and be effective as a situational rusher. And there are going to be 31 other teams who are monitoring how the Jets defensive line room shakes out because how many are they going to keep? Are they going to be able to keep nine or 10 defensive linemen, right? Because, I mean, you've got Carl Lawson, Jermaine Johnson, Michael Clemens, uh, Bryce Huff, Jacob Martin, Vinny Curry, Sheldon Rankins, Solomon Thomas, Nathan Shepard, Quinnen Williams. I know I'm missing a few. I don't have the depth chart brought up in front of me. But, like, there's going to be a very good player shaken free. And for me, it's like I think you have four, maybe five. Let me bring it up. I, I think you have on that defensive line. I, gotta, I don't want to mess up because again there's so many damn players like you can easily go through them and, and miss guys i think your your roster locks and i'm just talking about defensive end like right now i'm just talking about defensive end your roster locks are carl lawson obviously is a roster lock michael clemens drafted obviously a lot roster lock john franklin myers jermaine johnson and jacob martin because of the contract they gave him in free agency i think those guys are roster locks so that gives you one two three four five guys already at defensive end so your other guys that are competing for sixth, maybe the seventh spot, Vinny Curry, the veteran, Bryce Huff, who the coaching staff absolutely loves, and Jabari Zuninga, who's the former third-round pick. I think Jabari Zuninga is probably not long for this Jets roster. So that means you got Vinny Curry and Bryce Huff competing for one spot. And Vinny Curry is the veteran that Joe Douglas loves. Bryce Huff is the guy the coaching staff loves. And both of those players are NFL guys. Both of those guys deserve to be on 53-man rosters. Is it going to be on this Jets 53-man roster? It really is an embarrassment of riches on the defensive line. And I'm going to be fascinated to see one, how that positional group shakes out, but then not only how that positional group shakes out, but if the jets can potentially maneuver and trim some fat in other areas that will allow them to maybe keep 11 or 12 defensive linemen instead of less defensive linemen. You know what I mean? Like maybe they can get by with one less linebacker. If they think they're going to be mostly just running two linebacker sets this entire time, maybe they can go by with just Quincy, uh, CJ Mosley, 
Sherwood and Hamza. Like maybe you can get by with just those four guys. One other guy, five, maybe you can get by with just five linebackers or maybe they can trim safeties. Maybe they feel like they can get by with just a few safeties or maybe they can feel like they can cut a corner and stash them on their practice squad and keep a corner there that they can eventually elevate. I mean, there's, it's going to be very, very fascinating for me to see how that defensive line meeting room and, and roster shakeup trend like goes throughout practice because this really is a loaded room. I mean, it is a loaded room with really, really good players and someone's going to shake free because they can't all make it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, it's it's refreshing because when you think about this Jets roster the last how many ever years, um, it was cut-down day where the Jets would look around and see, okay, who can we add? What good players from other teams that couldn't make those rosters can we add to try to get this team better and to finally find a, a position on this roster where you're talking about having too many guys is, I mean... That, that's how you win in the NFL, right, is to fill up the depth chart. So they are there, at least at that position, and some others. I mean, th this team has depth at, at some different positions, and it's certainly uh, something that hasn't been around for a while. All right, next topic, uh, most to gain. Now, this could probably play off of some of the position battles you just talked about. George Font probably has a lot to gain uh, based on his competition with Mekhi Becton, but who do you like in, in that? Who Who's the person, the one player, maybe the two players, that go into this camp with really the most to come out of it. I think it's fan. I mean, I, I, I think it's fan and Becton. Like, like they're, they're the two right now, because if, if you're George fan, you're on the final year of your contract, the jets haven't extended you yet. And, and you're, you're banking on yourself. And if you're the jets by not extending them now, you're kind of wanting to wait and see it one more time, which I, I get it from the jets perspective. I mean, the last thing you want to do is give a guy a contract based off of one career year. And, and, the one I would compare that to is Henry Anderson, right? I mean, Henry Anderson had a had a really good season for the Jets. Mike McCagnan paid him, and it just, he never, Anderson never, ever lived up to that contract. And with Fant, look, he did have a great season last year. He really did. He had a great year for the Jets. However, when you look at the totality of his career, there's durability concerns. There's some performance concerns. I know he hasn't played this position his entire career. I know he's still developing. He didn't play in college, but still, you do want to see it for one more. So if he's able to go out there and show in training camp that he deserves to be this team's left tackle and he earns that left tackle job, and then he goes out there throughout the 2022 season and performs like a top 15, top 10 offensive tackle, well, this guy's going to be getting a massive contract in free agency. If it's not from the Jets, it's going to be from somewhere else. So I think he's somebody who can earn a lot in training camp and a lot throughout this season. And then Mekhi Becton's obviously the other one because there is 
a lot of criticism about him. And I, I know you guys tag me in the pictures that he posts every other day. And I get tagged in the videos that he posts every day. And I see he went to the dentist and that's cool. I'm happy. But like at the end of the day, photos aren't what step on the scale, you know? So when he stepped on the scale and I called two coaches and we're like, Hey, how'd it look? How did it go? And I'm told he was out of shape and he was overweight. I mean, that's what I'm going to report. I'm not going to go off what the picture says. I'm going to go off what the people inside the building tell me. So for him, I don't think there's a single player that's more important because this is a player with all world talent, all pro pro bowl, game changing, dynamic franchise, left tackle potential. That is what this guy has. As long as he is mentally checked in and physically on the field, if he's mentally checked in and physically on the field, there are maybe two or three other people, Trent Williams, and maybe one or two other guys who can physically do what Mekhi Becton's capable of doing. He just has to be on the field to do it. And the Jets believe that his physical shape has been what has led to him coming off the field, both as a rookie and some in his second year. Like they believe that his physical shape is one of the reasons why he did get hurt in that Panther game. Like that's that's one of the things that I was told. I mean, you want to hate me for it? Okay, fine. But that's just what that's just what I was told. So I'm telling you what I was told. That's what the Jets feel. So if he's able to show up to camp and these pictures that all you guys tag me in are true that this guy is at the weight the Jets want and he's in the best physical shape of his life and he goes out there and he plays like he is capable of playing. You're talking about a guy now who is has the the word bust being floated around his name and the concerns being floated around his name and the need to replace potentially being floated around his name to now saying F all that. This guy's a Pro Bowl player, all world player, all pro player. The Jets need to start thinking about an extension and he's going to be a, a, a mainstay on this offensive line for the next 10 years. I mean, that's how... He can take this storyline and 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 the stigma around him right now and just completely do a 180 with it if he shows up to camp in shape and performs like the Jets know he's capable of uh, on the field. So he's the easy candidate for most to lose during this training camp. So I'm not yeah, going to let you pick back then. You have to go. You have to go a different direction as far as a, a player with a lot to lose other than Mackay Beckton. Um, I'll go with the the obvious one, and it's it's. It's Zach. It's Zach Wilson. I mean, th this this entire season really does hinge on the young quarterback. And and you don't want to put so much pressure on a kid who's 21 years old and, and just in his second year coming out of BYU, playing a position that for a lot of guys takes three, four years to develop. But the Jets are no longer, and Joe Douglas deserves a lot of credit for this, the Jets are no longer a team that you have the built-in excuse of roster construction, in my opinion. You the the mistakes that Mike McCagnan for a brief period Joe Douglas made that set Sam Donald up for failure are no longer there, right? I mean, we talked about it on there. Are, there are probably twenty-seven million podcasts that we did about Sam Donald, where we said we don't know if Sam Donald is struggling because one, Sam Donald is not a good quarterback, or if two. The Jets have failed so miserably in surrounding him with competent coaching and competent surrounding talent that he's struggling because he's got no help or he's struggling because of him. Turns out that it was a mix of both because he's gone on to Carolina and we've seen that he is not a good quarterback and they've already replaced him with, with you know, the 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 Mayfield. Your favorite. So, you know, I've, I've always had Marissa in their corner, even though I, I think Baker Mayfield is just as bad as Sam Darnold. But like you, you have now, you've learned, obviously it wasn't all the Jets, it was that. But that's no longer the case. Like, I don't think that there is any excuse that you can now put on Zach Wilson for not having success other than Zach Wilson. I mean, he has, look, the, is the offensive line the best offensive line in the NFL? 
I think they have the potential to be a top eight, top five group. I do genuinely believe that. I mean, if Fant takes the step the Jets believe and Mekhi Becton takes the step the Jets believe combined with that dominant interior line that they've built, I think the Jets can have a top eight, top five offensive line this year. But at worst case scenario, they're still above average. They are still an above average offensive line in the NFL. So he's got protection in front of him. He has a the most playmakers I've ever covered on the Jets. And you can go back to the Brandon Marshall, Eric Derrick offense or Eric Decker offense. I've never seen an offense with this much talent all around because you now have the three wide receivers in Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and Garrett Wilson. You have three tight ends in Wilson or Conklin, I'm sorry, Uzama and Ruckert. You've got two dominant potentially I mean, you saw what Michael Carter did. He's now the second best running back on this team after they added Brees Hall. So you have two running backs. You've got three tight ends. You have three wide receivers, and that's not even taking into consideration having Braxton Berrios off the bench. So you have all that plus a defense that is going to be significantly better after they infuse the defensive line with talent with Martin and, and Johnson and Clemens and the linebacking position, which the Jets believe will be better because that defensive line is better and the cornerback situation, which is just night and day from last year and a safety position that's also been infused with talent with a healthy joiner and obviously bringing Whitehead over from Tampa Bay. So there are no more excuses for Zach Wilson to struggle other than Zach Wilson. And we've seen Mike LaFleur's offense work because it worked with Mike White. It worked with Joe Flacco and it worked with Josh Johnson. So it's worked with other quarterbacks. Now you have so much more offensive talent in that room that now it is on Zach Wilson. So the most, the player with the most to lose, if the, if Zach Wilson, if this, if the Jets go out there this season, if the Jets go out there in training camp and the offense is just getting the hell, the shit kicked out of them day in and day out of training camp. And then the regular season comes and the offense is just sputtering and not working. Well, we've seen the offense with lesser talent work with other people under center. We know the offense is better with more talent. We know the plays work because we've seen LaFleur call them with, with other with other quarterbacks under center and have it work. Then you can say, okay, it's Zach Wilson. So in other times when we had Sam Darnold here and the situation he was in, he really didn't have that much to lose because, again, we could never put all of it on Sam. And no point could we ever at any point in time say Sam Darnold is failing because of Sam Darnold. Like the Jets offense is not working because of Sam Darnold. We couldn't say that concretely. Because while we thought it, and I thought it, which is why I favored them going the Zach Wilson route, you couldn't say it for sure because the offensive line stunk, he had no playmakers, and the coaching staff with Dow Loggins and Adam Gase just did not work, right? You can't say that anymore because now you got the coaching staff, now you got the receivers, the tight ends, the running back, the offensive line, the defense, where the player at the most is Zach because if the Jets offense stinks, it's because of Zach. Like it's because of Zach Wilson. So you could actually loop him in with the most to gain because he can gain the most as well. But I yeah. think the player with the most to lose is, is Wilson. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, there's going to be injuries. There's always injuries. It's the NFL. There'll probably be serious injuries. And last year, Carl Lawson, that injury was devastating for this team. They thought they had really put together at least a pass rush on defense, and then they lost that, and and the rest is is history for this defense and and what it was. So when you look at this year, hopefully Carl Lawson's back. Um, 
But when you look at the team, and I'm gonna, I like taking one player away. You can't say Zach Wilson for this. Yeah. Uh, what one player can the Jets not afford to go down to a serious injury this camp? Uh, Fant or Beckton, because I know they drafted Max Mitchell, but the guy's a developmental project. He's not ready, and if he goes down, the Jets don't have. Like last year, the Jets' two offensive tackles were Beckton and Morgan Moses. Like their week one tackles were Beckton and Moses. Or was it Beckton and Fant? I think Fant was the starter. Morgan Moses was the backup. It was, I can't yeah, totally week one was Fant. Yep. Fant, yeah, okay, yeah, that's right, because we were all surprised. It was stunned that Moses wasn't the starter. So the Jets had Morgan Moses as their backup. So when Beckton went down, Morgan Moses was a really good football player. So Morgan Moses was able to step in and be the be the, the right tackle and Fant go over to left tackle. So boom, like your offensive line was good. If something happens to Beckton or if something happens to Fant, you're going to either a rookie in Mitchell who is considered a developmental like project, like swinger project where like he could be a guard. He could be the tackle. The Jets don't really know. Connor McDermott, who's not good. And Chuma Adaga, who's a disaster. So like you're, you're basically set. You, you have put all of your eggs in the basket of Fant and Beckton because if one of those guys go down, you don't have the, the depth to replace him. And I don't think Dwayne Brown's coming here because it sure seems like he wants to play it for a contender. And I guess they could go out and sign Reef, but like, he's not good either. Like, like he was, he got kicked to the curb by the Bengals and the Bengals offensive line almost killed Joe Burrow multiple times last year, including in the Super Bowl. So like you want to take the offensive lineman the Bengals didn't want and put him in charge of, of blocking Zach Wilson's blind side, like, holy hell. So I, I think one of the bigger mistakes that, that the Jets made was you didn't want to draft Icky at offensive tackle because obviously of what that would have meant for for either, you know, having him sit behind Fan and Beckton or then having to trade Beckton, like fine, but like. You should have gone out there and signed a veteran that you know can play on the offensive line. Like either bring back Morgan Moses or just sign another guy, even if it meant paying a little more and having to pay a backup offensive tackle like six, seven, or eight million dollars. I still would have done that because there are obviously serious durability concerns with Beckton, and there's just as many durability concerns with Fant. And if you lose one of those guys, all the good feels on the offense, they're gonna go down the down the down the crapper because like you are not in good shape if you lose those two offensive linemen those two tackles and i think for me that that's probably what i look at this like i, I think like look at it. if the jets lose sauce gardner you got brandon eccles or, or bryce hall who can step in and, and go play if the jets lose bryce hall or mike carter you got the other guy plus tevin coleman ty johnson who can come in you lose uzama or conklin you got the other one you lose Corey davis you have elijah moore who can go outside garrett wilson's on the other outside braxton moore braxton barrios goes to slot if you lose Elijah Moore as your slot, Braxton Barrios goes in. Like they have depth, believe it or not, in a lot of places. Maybe linebacker, if they lost Mosley or Quincy Williams, they could be in a little bit of trouble because you don't really know what you have with Sherwood. But I think the main position where if you lose a guy, you're like, holy crap, what the hell are we going to do? Are we going to have to look to uh, trade for somebody or something like that? It's at tackle because the Jets cannot, because of the way Joe Douglas went about this offseason, the Jets cannot afford to lose Fant or Beckton. They really cannot. When we were going through OTAs and then minicamp also on this podcast, uh, you talked about how vanilla everything was, how it was oh, it was yeah. less exciting than most any OTA or minicamp you had ever covered. And it really didn't get too geared up after that. Um, so there's a lot that hasn't been seen yet as we head into this training camp starting next week. So the last one of these uh, topics I have is who are you most excited to see out on the field in real drills with this team? Garrett Wilson. I want to see Garrett Wilson. I talked to one of the, the guys over there, at, um, one of the guys on the coaching staff about it because like he didn't, he didn't impress me that much in OTAs and minicamp. I'm being honest. Like he made one catch where he like jumped up and was behind and, and he made a grab like that. That was impressive. But like 
he had to contort his body like that because he ran the wrong route. So like he ran the wrong route, wasn't where he was supposed to be. And then like, you know, the the pass was thrown where it was supposed to. He didn't run the right route. So he had to contort. So cool. It looked like it looked good on highlight would have been, you know, a done or not done or not like top 10 play, but it wasn't, but it was honestly a mistake that he just happened to to capitalize on. And I was kind of like, not worried, but I was curious. Like I thought, you know, like we saw Elijah Moore in OTAs, like, kick ass and, and mini camp and rookie mini camp. Like what, like what was going on with Garrett? And you know, the, the one thing I was, I was explaining the way it was explained to me is that, you know, uh, Michael floor's offense is very, it's a lot, it's really heavy for a receiver to take in. Like, like it's not easy for a receiver to learn. And Garrett Wilson was out there swimming, not because Garrett Wilson is not intelligent, not because Garrett Wilson can't do it just because it was so different from what he did at Ohio state that he just was out there thinking through Everything, every part uh, he was here in the play in the huddle. He's thinking as he's walking to the line. He's thinking as he's listening to the, 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 the cadence he's thinking as he goes off the line, he's thinking as he's about to break, he's thinking of when he's supposed to jump. And it was the react, the, the, the risk or the, the, um, the way that that turned out was that he ended up playing so much slower than what he normally plays because that, that game changing speed, that elusiveness, those, that unbelievable route running, you weren't able to see it just because he was like a, a Corvette stuck in, stuck in neutral. You know what I mean? Like that's really what it was like. And so I, I I think that there are very few players that are going to benefit more from stepping aside, stepping back, taking like this four to six week break, rehashing it, learning it again, but mostly just stepping away to, to rehash it all in your head, then going back to practice where there's going to be a week, two week of, inst- there's going to be a week of an installation period that first week of camp, being able to rehash all that again on the field and then have it really kick into high gear where Garrett Wilson's the guy where I think come week two of training camp, I think you're going to see a better player automatically week one of training camp, but I think week two is going to be better than week one. Week three is going to be better than week two. Week four is going to be better than week three. And it's just going to go on and on and on and on and on. And by the end of training camp, I think all of us will be sitting there saying, holy crap, like this kid's got, this kid's got something special about him. Like, like this, this, I mean, you can't take him off the field. Like Garrett Wilson needs to be on the field. If you're playing 75 snaps, he needs to be on there for 76 of them. Like, like get him on the field all the time. I think that's what you're going to end up seeing from Garrett Wilson as this training camp moves on. Now, the one thing that can stunt that is if one, he gets hurt, like that's, that's going to cause some problems. Like if, if he gets hurt, that's going to cause an issue because all of the good feels like, like the uh, Elijah Moore was like, you know, when he started slow, he didn't start slow because of the injury. He started slow because of the time he missed because of the injury. Like he really, Elijah Moore really needed to play in those preseason games. He really needed those two, three weeks of training camp practices that he lost. Garrett Wilson is going to be the exact same boat. So if he's able to get all of those reps, get those training camp reps, get those preseason reps, what you saw Elijah Moore become in the middle of the season you're going to have Garrett Wilson from the jump. You're going to have that week one. So I think he's the player that I'm, I'm most excited to see because I genuinely do believe that this is going to be a kid that, that we start. You're going to you're going to see it on Twitter. You're going to see it, Garrett Wilson. The same as you saw Elijah Moore last year. It was like Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore. I think you're going to see Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson, then Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson, then Garrett Wilson. It's just going to be starting again, saying the same over and over and over again. I really do believe that. It was in the chat a little bit before we move on to the uh, the sad, sentimental stuff. I will ask you, there was some reports today that the Jets could make a splash move between now and the beginning of training camp. Yeah. Any truth to it? Yeah, I saw they were comparing to Bates, right? Like the, the safety yeah. with Bates. Like I, I saw that and I, I checked in on it. Um, what, what I don't, so 
Marcus Williams is probably about as good of a player as Bates is. Like I know he 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 wasn't he wasn't in the Super Bowl this year, so he's not going to get as much fanfare. But but Marcus Williams is probably a better fit for Salah's defense, um, and is is as good, if not a little bit better, of a player than Bates was. Like I I believe that about Marcus Williams. I know how much the Jets love Marcus Williams. The Jets bowed out of the Marcus Williams sweepstakes in free agency, not because they didn't want him, but because they weren't willing to pay the cost that it was go they weren't willing to pay the price that it was going to take to get Marcus Williams. Like if they were able to get Marcus Williams at a cost that they believed was an appropriate amount to pay a safety, they would have been all over Marcus Williams. They knew he was going to get the deal like he got. They let him go because they knew because he got a deal that they weren't able to match. They wanted him, they were going to pursue him, but the price just got to be too much. So if the Jets weren't willing to pay Marcus Williams when all it was going to take to get Marcus Williams was a dollar. Why would they then go and trade assets for Bates to then give him a larger contract than Marcus Williams got? So they didn't want to just pay Marcus Williams. So now they're going to want to trade assets plus pay Bates. Like, I don't get that. And I know the whole like, oh, the Jets have wanted to make a splash. The Jets have wanted to make a splash. And you can say that. I guess because you can look and say like, oh yeah, they pursued Calvin Ridley or they pursued Amari Cooper or they pursued Tyreek Hill and they tried to go after Chandler Jones. Like they did, but when you look at the players they went after, it all made a lot of sense. They wanted and were willing to pay a number one receiver. They wanted and believed that their offense would be taken to another level if they got a number one receiver. So that's why they went after Ridley until they were led to believe he's not available, which is because he got suspended. That's why they went after Cooper, but the uh, Cowboys weren't willing to make a deal contingent on a rework contract. That's why they went after Hill and were able to go all the way down to the wire until Hill said, look, I want to go to Miami. That's where I'm from. That's why they went after Chandler Jones until Jones wanted to go play for a team that was a little bit closer to contention. Like all of those players, Jones, there's your Nick Bosa for this defensive line. The receiver, there's your number one receiver. Like the, all of the players that the Jets tried to go after, they all made sense. Safety, when they don't, when they when they weren't willing to pay the player that was there just where all they had to do was pay, why would they now trade assets and then have to pay the same player who maybe not even isn't even as good? And I don't think that Bates is as good of a fit as Williams would be for this defense. So I just I was led to believe that it, there's nothing there when I, I reached in about it. But even my own common sense before I read again, like you always I've, I've learned, you always reach out. Don't go. You always reach out just to check in to see just to check in and see, like always check in. Like the Hill was one that was an example. Like I saw that first come out and I was like, no way. And then I checked in on it. It was like, holy shit, you guys are all in on that. Like I thought Hill's back, Hill's background, I thought would keep the Jets away from him. No, they were all in on him. So I was like, all right, like maybe, but no. So I was led to believe there's, there's nothing really there, but more so than, than there not really being anything there. It's just, it, it also doesn't make sense. Like it, it, it did, it doesn't make sense to me. It, it doesn't. So I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's something that they're going to they're going to go they're going to go down the the I don't think they'll go down that road. All right, well we've gotten you ready for training camp. Marissa has been working hard for weeks on this little montage video. Take it away Marissa when you're oh, ready. No. Welcome to episode one of the Can't Wait podcast. You heard Bart Scott in the open there, and I love the name. Can't Wait seems to be a, a perfect fit for this podcast. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's actually kind of a, a good fit for, for the Jets in, in their current state as well, man. 14 has mono. It won't be out for this game. Connor, you can't make this stuff up. 
I know, Tim, you, you, you really can't. This is the first time we've done this live. It's exciting. Connor was late as we expected him to be, but, <laughs> but we'll get on with that. That was kind of the gem for Douglas in this draft. Yeah, I think, I think it was impressive general managing, if that's a verb. I don't know, but it's going to be one now. I mean, I think that's, that's, yeah, right? The Daily News story came out on Friday. About 24 hours later, Adams is out of town. How did this happen so quickly after things went so bad? He forgot his pants and then got trapped in an umbrella before a live shot. So lots to do here. Day, man. Connor, are you okay, oh. first of all? But I haven't been to a Chili's in a very, very, very long time. And is, isn't this the place that Ricky Bobby and his dad got kicked out of? Isn't that, or is that an Applebee's? I don't know, like from Talladega Nights. I can't remember if they get kicked out of a Chili's or, or an Applebee's. I think honestly where this one took a turn, in my opinion, was the way that the Jets had gone about hiring Gase. I, I remember talking to people like right, right when the Jets had hired Adam because it obviously didn't make too much sense to me at the time. Yes, my boyfriend of over four and a half years um, made this start at left guard for the Cleveland Browns this weekend. And he was incredible. And it was his first NFL start against the Steelers defense in a playoff game. You just touched upon it, is that he wasn't the guy that when they started compiling their list of, of players that, or coaches, I should say, obviously you can tell my head's gonna be, or my brain's gonna be all over the place right now. I went from trying to figure out Jedi and Sith and, and why they're talking about like, uh, what's his face? Uh, Samuel Jackson is saying like the Sith are extinct. And I'm like, what's going on with there? It's Holy hell, it's over. And and it's, it's, um, it's surprising, man. Cause like, if you would have told me I tweeted this, but if you would have told me in, in 2018, 2019, that in two of the next three off seasons, I would have been writing farewell columns to, to Sam Darnold and, and to uh, Jamal Adams, I would have told you you're out of your mind. You look at this Jets roster now, there aren't many Mike McCagnan fingerprints over all over it anymore. I mean, this is a, this is Joe Douglas's team. You know, it's Joe Douglas's handpicked coach. It's Joe Douglas's handpicked quarterback. Connor is getting married. Going and getting yeah. married. Congratulations. And there it is. Oh, the nice pictures. pictures. Yeah. You were there yeah. for those. Connor and Bree. The truth, I could, truth about those engagement photos is I had a tea time at Beth Page Black that I had to cancel because <laughs> I had to go get those engagement photos. So You're sucking oh. all the romance out of this moment. This wedding is not the only exciting can't wait news we have to share with everybody today. First a wedding and then... A baby! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> baby McMaster arriving October 2021. Look at that, man. The Can't Wait, the Can't Wait podcast is really doing something here. We've got We're all yeah, about we've big got life babies, moments. We've got engagements, yeah. we've gotten everything. Here's a little picture of the bride, me, and Connor. That's right. Can't wait together for the third time ever. I'm like, Holy crap. I was like, dude, I didn't hear you. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm paying to have a caddy. Basically bullied. <laughs> this is like my middle school again. Like, I, I, I'm basically, I'm being bullied. We are breaking new ground, live on location, the second annual JJ Invitational Golf Outing at the beautiful Silver Lake Golf Course on Staten Island. For everyone on YouTube, I'll just put the disclaimer now. For everyone that bitches at me when I talk about non-football, now is the time to leave. The show is over. Goodbye. You guys have to. We waited 48 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And even if I go a little long, I can I can be late to my next appointment, like five, like so I can talk a little bit longer about this. So uh, yeah, so you guys got Connor had a hard out at six o'clock, but when yeah. we started talking about golf, yeah, that hard out becomes pretty soft. 
Uh, That's awesome. Wow. That was cool. Great job, Marissa. Outstanding job. You got um, me. Thank you. You got me. <laughs> you got me. The amazing thing 178 is 178 episodes, Connor. 178 yeah. episodes. Our yeah. hair went through some things along the I way. I love my porn it, stash. It was a pandemic. I totally forgot I did that. The porn Dude, stash I can't connect. It doesn't connect here, but I get a mustache. So I was like, oh, it's quarantine. I don't have to do TV. I have to go anywhere. I'm going to grow a mustache. And I that thing was that thing was giving off 70s vibes. But it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. Brie married me after that. She stayed with and married me. Yeah. I don't know why she didn't trim it in my sleep. Yeah, I was bad. Well, it was a pandemic, Glory. so she couldn't meet anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, in all in all seriousness, though, Connor, it's been a pleasure co-hosting yeah. the show. When I started doing the show, I was learning the Jets kind of as we went. Yeah. Now I feel like I've been acclimated into everything yeah. that it means to be around this team, the pain. And, and I've learned to just appreciate this fan base and, and love this fan base as well. As well. But um, more importantly, it's been great becoming a friend of you both oh, over yeah. the last three years. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's funny because like... <clears throat> <laughs> no I'm kidding. Uh, when when like I I got offered a new job, obviously, and like I wasn't. I've said this before. Like I wasn't looking for a gig. I didn't want to leave. Like I was I was happy at the athletic. But when this opportunity came about, it was it's a it's a dream chance like for me, which is why I was like, you know, it's I'm gonna take it. And I've left jobs before. Like when I left the Star Ledger, there was like that apprehension from me because um, I didn't want to. You know, I, I like, you know, I, I grew up like literally my paper over there is in the back of, of, a, of a story that I wrote for the Star Ledger it was the paper that I read growing up. It was what I, I loved. Um, so I didn't want to leave there, but it was like, you know, financially, this was like an opportunity and, and a brand new company and to be on my own beat and not have to share it with somebody. I was like, hell yeah, let's go. But like this was one where I was so ready to leave. I mean this lovingly, but I was ready to leave the athletic because I felt like I had accomplished everything that I wanted to accomplish as a beat writer. And I accomplished everything that I wanted to accomplish here at the athletic. And I just wanted to now try something new. And this was still in the field. Like I'm not leaving covering the NFL. I mean, that has been a dream of mine forever and I'm never going to want to stop doing it. So, but just doing it in, in a different capacity and in different ways and expanding off of not still doing a ton of jets, but not just the jets. And so when I got the offer and, and we, we figured out the financial, the finances of it and, and the contract numbers came in and, and I, you know, I, I was like, all right, I'm signing the contract. And I called Allison, my editor. And then I called Lisa, you know, our, the head of the NFL. And I was like, Hey, I'm leaving. Um, I was like, you know, kind of like the, you, know, you guys were all obviously involved in the negotiations the whole time. Like I was I kept you guys privy to it all. Cause obviously of what it could mean for this. But like, once I put my name on the paper and I signed the contract and I sent it in and then I stepped back, like the, the wave that hit me of like the stomach turning and like the being upset was losing this, like getting rid of this because I, it's funny cause I didn't really want a podcast when it came about because you know, it was more work. <laughs> it's like, you know, it was, it was start, but you know, when they, when I got the, the message from my, I don't even remember who sent me the original Slack notification of, do you want to do a podcast? And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm interested in it and I'm intrigued by it. However, one, I don't want to do it by myself. And, and two, I don't want to have to like have to edit it all and put it all together. Like I want to do it with somebody because me just sitting here talking for an hour as a monologue is going to drive people nuts. And hell, I mean, even my 10 minute monologues drive people nuts on YouTube. But like that, that was like the thing I was like, I didn't want to do. And then they're like, no, don't worry. I think I've told this story before, but it's like, no, don't worry. We've got a co-host. He does a lot of baseball stuff, but I think you're going to love him. I think you guys are really going to work well together. And I was like, you're right. Like, okay, that's good. And then I was like, and they're like, oh, and we're also giving you a producer. And all of a sudden I was like, holy shit. Like we've got producer and we've got 
this. I was like, this is awesome. And I remember when like we started the podcast the first time, like my goal with it and my thought with it. And I think what we've successfully done together is like, I compared it a little bit to like Howard Stern. And it was like, when you listen to the Howard Stern show, like, yeah, there's Howard and Robin. And like, you listen to Howard and Robin, but like you have Benji who comes on, you've got Baba Bowie who comes on. And I remember texting Marissa, like for one of the first few times. And I'm like, look, I was like, I don't want this show to just be Tim and I talking. Like, I want you to be involved. I want you to be taught. Like, I want you to be our Baba Bowie. And I literally remember you looking at me and you're going like, who is Baba Bowie? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you're going to be our, exactly. just trust me. I was like, Google it. I'm like, I how like, do I even spell that? Google yeah, I was it. Like, I was like, I want you to be our Baba Bowie. And like, honestly, what's been so awesome, and I think it really kicked off and like, it was fun when we were just audio, but when we brought this show to YouTube and we started doing visual, I think what made this show so successful and what made the YouTube stuff blow up and what made the audio stuff blow up and what made it so that when I would walk down like the sideline of the open practices of training camp, have jet fans yell. We love the podcast. We love can't wait. I listen to can't, I mean, they talk about my writing. It was like, we listen to can't wait, love this. Can't wait. Love the podcast. Where's Tim? Where's Mer like listening to people say that is because it wasn't just Connor talking about the jets. Like this show can't wait. I don't think it's successful because of me. I don't think it's successful because of Tim. I don't think it's successful because of Marissa. I think it's successful because the three of us have created this like little family atmosphere and we've committed, created a community as well that continues to, to, to tune in every single time we're here live and interact in the comment section and stick with us and all that stuff. And that's what's sad to leave. And that's, that's what kind of sucks to leave. Cause obviously, I mean, I know our, it's not like I'm, you know, moving away. Like I said, I've said this before, like the last time we did this show, Marissa is like, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep the, our little can't wait chat pinned to the top. I know that the show is going to be go on. I mean, I was, I was hoping to have him on the show. Unfortunately, the, the athletic won't let him on because they're not formally announcing his hire until the 25th, but there is another jets writer coming. And that other Jets writer is going to keep the, you know, join you guys to keep the Can't Wait podcast going. But, you know, to just think about where this show started when we were getting 300 listens total to where now we've had episodes where single episodes that go 20,000 and, and, and more listens per episode. You know, I think that's just crazy. And I'm going to miss it. This is the one the one thing that like I've said, I've said this to Bray, I've said this to everyone, like I'm ready to leave the athletic. Wasn't ready to like, give up on uh, Can't Wait. So that's going to suck. I. We'll do my best to hold it together. But I fought I, through all that. I had to stop a couple of times. I, Even now I have to stop. I think Tim and I are so happy for your next steps. And I know that yeah. everyone is still dying to know what that will be. Yeah, so am I. I swear to God, it's saved in the, it's saved in the drafts. I'm just waiting for the green light. Like some yes. of you guys have said it already in the chat. I'll give you that clue. Like the, you have said it in the chat, but like, I'm waiting to say it. I'm waiting to say it and scream it from the rafters. It's, <laughs> hopefully it's later this week. If not, it'll be next week. But we're very happy for you. Yeah. And like you said, I think you know, people out there know when you have coworkers that become friends, it's yeah. truly amazing. And this show has been such a, a joy to all of us. And we're going to miss, miss you so much. And Thank I know you. that my text will still be blowing up with random yeah. Connor Connorisms and, you know, waking up late yeah. and forgetting his pants and yeah. wanting Michael to go <laughs> golfing. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't expect anything less, to be honest. So we're very happy for you. We can't wait to see you go on and just dominate the world and don't forget us when you're oh i won't yeah and we'll probably have you back to be honest yeah. I, oh that i want that i want i want i yeah. know i have to get like stuff approved now but like i right. i i will hunt that's the one thing like i i try and you guys know like i tried i was like well like i was like it's obviously it's a little bit of a competition competitor i was like well what if i you don't technically have a podcast for me to start with so like until you guys create a podcast what if i still keep doing can't wait and they were like <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's not going to happen. And then I was like, well, 
my next push was like, well, what if you guys just absorb Can't Wait? Like, what if you just bring Tim and Marissa with me and we just keep doing the Can't Wait podcast? And they were like, hey, you know, we'll, we'll, that's something you know, we'll talk about down the road. And I was like, all right, like, well, that's still possible. So then I know then, you know, that, hey, if you guys come or don't, that's fine. But at least you can use it for negotiating power at the athletic. But no, it's, it's well, been amazing. Guys. Jets like, fans don't have to worry because Connor will still be very plugged into the Jets. We'll just yeah. leave it at that. How about yeah. that? So it has been awesome. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we should wrap before it gets any more emotional. But uh, this yeah. show will continue. Uh, not next week. We're going to have to take a little bit of time, probably step away and, and figure it out. But Cry. can't wait. We'll go on. And eventually, I think we will have Connor back for some sort of a reunion episode. But we're looking forward to what's next. Uh, me and Marissa and players to be named later. Um, <laughs> I want Marissa to be more of a voice on the next creation. Baba of the show. Bowie. So, Baba yep, Bowie. She's going to be... Uh, your your Jets insider one B Marissa Morris. So get start studying Marissa, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we will uh, we will take it from there. But thank you so much for thank the you. last three years. We appreciate it. All of you out there are who made this show what it is. So thank you so much. Bye.